Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you on the Monday broadcast. So glad that you are joining us today. I hope that you had an incredible weekend, and we had a great time this weekend at Hickory Ridge Community Church. We had our men's conference, and what a joy that was to get a bunch of men together, and uh, I love hanging out with them. The men, we had a cornhole tournament. Uh, We learned a lot about how to be good with our finances. We learned a lot about how to be good husbands. And uh, I tell you what, it was a great weekend. And uh, we even had an author that was with us this past weekend. And he kind of shared his his story of how he navigated through a difficult time in his family. And uh, his poor wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so he gave up his career as a sheriff down there in Camden County and devoted his uh, his last few years of his wife's life just ministering to her and uh, nursing her and being there for her. What a great testimony it was. We enjoyed ourselves this weekend. Well, as you know, on the Monday broadcast, I always like to give you kind of a rehash of what happened over the weekend at Hickory Ridge Community Church. So today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to you about lessons that we can learn from Aaron and Moses. Uh, Let me give you a really bad dad joke to get us started. Uh, And here it is. I always knock on the refrigerated door before opening, just in case there's a salad dressing. Okay, now that was really bad. I know it was really bad, Uh, but that's what dad jokes are. They're bad jokes. And so thank you for entertaining me by just listening to my really bad dad jokes. Well, before I get started, uh, there's something that I want to ask our listening audience about. And uh, many of you know that I have a a son that has autism, and he uh, just has returned home from 30 days in a hospital up in Connecticut. And so one of the things that we are trying to do is prepare him uh, kind of for the next phase in his life, and uh, he will be turning 22 uh, next year. And at the age of 22, he, uh, he ages out of the system. And what that means is he won't be able to go to school anymore. And uh, so we are praying that we can start a day program for adults with autism and special needs. Uh, that would be a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church. Now, what I need help with is just figuring out if there's anybody else in this area that is interested in it. And again, we are in the Hickory section of Chesapeake. If you are interested in the possibility of being part of this endeavor, uh, whether that be planning it, whether that be helping to find out what kind of a building we need, uh, whether that be raising support for this ministry, man, I would love to talk with you. And so I'm going to give out my phone number and uh, you can call me. Please leave me a message or leave me a text message and uh, I will call you back. Just leave me a voicemail and I will call you back. And the reason I ask you to do that is because uh, I'm probably like you. Uh, I don't answer the phone unless I recognize the number coming across the way because if you're like me, you get a lot of those uh, fraudulent calls and, uh, and so I just don't pick up on them. But if you will leave me a voicemail, I promise you I'll call you back as soon as I can. So here is my cell phone number, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365, and uh, looking for some information about a kind of a day program for adults with autism. So if you can help us out, or if you know somebody that may be interested in being part of this ministry, we are looking hopefully to launch that toward the middle of next year, uh, the middle of 2022. So give me a call and uh, we'll talk and we can put our heads together. We can pray together and just ask the Lord to guide us in that endeavor. All right, well, let's talk about Aaron and Moses. 
By way of introduction, there is a true story of twin brothers that were born in Australia. As they were growing up, Leslie and Carl were close throughout their chaotic childhood. But after their dad abandoned the family a week after their 22nd birthday, Carl disappeared. And for 23 years, Leslie kept searching for his brother. Finally, on May 5th, 2013, the police found Carl on York Lane in Sydney. Carl had died where he had spent much of the second half of his life, on a street as a homeless person. When the police contacted Leslie, he traveled to Sydney to take his brother back home and to bury him. Much to his surprise, Leslie found a bank account in Carl's name that was worth $30,000. The Australian Department of Human Services had been depositing a check into Carl's account every month for the past 23 years. Leslie wanted to use the funds to support the dedicated people who worked the shelters and those who had supported his brother. Unfortunately, the money was earmarked for the next of kin, which in this case was Carl and Leslie's father, that man who had abandoned both of the brothers decades ago. Now, there was a stipulation on this $30,000, creating a dilemma for Leslie. Now, I'll tell you at the conclusion of the broadcast tomorrow, what happened to that $30,000. So, uh, I hope that you join me tomorrow as I give you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Well, our church has been going through a series called Prodigal God. And we have been looking at a book written by Timothy Keller. We've been looking at a man who had two sons. Throughout the Bible, there are many men who have had two sons, but we discover that Jesus gives this parable of a dad that had two sons. It begins in Luke chapter 15, and it says, There was a man who had two sons. One son demanded that he have his inheritance, the property that was due him. Now, the Greek word that is translated for property here means life. It's the word bios. In other words, this younger son was demanding of the father his very life. You know, to lose part of your land was to lose part of yourself and a major share of your standing within the community. The Father's love and forgiveness can pardon and restore any and every kind of sin, and we discover as the story unfolds that that's exactly what happens. The Father forgives His wayward Son. Now, I want you to know something. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can and will forgive. That fatted calf was a symbol of the Father's love for that Son, and that Father was willing to give any cost to redeem His Son. As you look at the whole story of the prodigal son, I know that you who are listening to this broadcast are very familiar with this story. But as we go through this story, I want you to look at it from a different angle. You know, throughout the Bible, there are several illustrations that would line up with the story of the prodigal son. As a matter of fact, I found eight different occasions where there's two sons that could fit the prototype of the older son and the younger son in the story of the prodigal son. We've looked at a few of them already, but I want to today look at the life of Aaron and Moses. Now, I know you're very familiar with the life of Moses, but Moses had a brother and he had a sister. Moses had a brother who was actually older than him. Aaron was three years older than Moses. Amran and Jochebed had two boys and a girl. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. 
And all three of these kids were really powerful and they were a spiritual team. We learn from Exodus chapter 15 that Miriam was a prophetess. We also learn that Aaron from Exodus chapter 28 was the very first high priest of Israel. Moses was a priest, Psalm 99.6 tells us, and he was also a prophet, according to Deuteronomy 34.10. Moses had a special relationship with God, unlike any other prophet. This is what is recorded about the life of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 and 12. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face-to-face. Now, can you imagine having a face-to-face relationship with God? being that close with him that God actually would carry on a conversation with you? It continues by saying, Moses did all the signs and the wonders that the Lord had sent him to do in Egypt. He went to Pharaoh and to all the officials, and he went before the whole land. Verse 12 says, For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in sight of all of Israel. Can you imagine having God say that of us, that there is nobody in all of the sight of Israel quite like Moses, mighty in power, mighty in performing awesome deeds, mighty in performing miracles. But as we look at the story, it should have been Aaron, the older brother that was in the place of Moses. He should have been the one that was receiving the greater blessing and having the broader influence. Moses, however, was given that task. When we look at the story of Moses and Aaron, it seems like Aaron is okay with ministering in the shadows of his younger brother. Unlike the older brother to the story of the prodigal son, we learn that Aaron was okay playing second chair. Now, there's several things that I want us to learn from the story of Aaron and Moses. I'm going to give you a couple of them today, and then I'm going to give you a couple of them tomorrow. But let me give you the overall of where we're going. If you want to be greatly used by God, you've got to be clear about where God is calling you. In other words, you have to have a clear vision about what God wants you to do. Secondly, you've got to be content with where God has called you. You see, so many times we lose contentment. The Bible says that we actually learn how to be content. The Bible also says that godliness with contentment is of much gain. I want to ask you a question. Are you content today? If you are not, I want you to know it has nothing to do with your circumstances. Contentment is something that you learn, and you can be content regardless of how good things are going or how bad things are going. So you got to be clear about where God is calling you. You've got to be content with what God has called you to do. Number three, you got to be courageous wherever God has placed you. Listen, God has placed you where you are for such a time as this. God placed you in the family that you're in. God has placed you in the church that you're in. God has given you that job, that career that you have. God has placed you in the neighborhood that you're in, all so that you can be courageous in that place. And then lastly, we'll talk about this tomorrow in the broadcast. You must be careful whenever God gives you authority. So by way of understanding clarity... One of the reasons I love watching sports is because sports has a definite start time, a definite uh, finish time. Uh, You know what the guidelines are. You know where the end zone is. You know where the sidelines are. Uh, You know the rules of the game. Uh, You know the boundaries of the game. When you get to the end of the game, you know who won because you keep score. 
It is clearly defined what it takes to win in a sporting event. One of the games that I loved to play as a kid was a game called Don't Break the Ice. Maybe you remember that game if you're kind of old like I am. But Don't Break the Ice was a game where you would take these plastic ice cubes and you'd put them into a tray. And the middle ice cube was a penguin. So you'd have a little plastic hammer and you would knock out the little ice cubes one at a time. You would knock one ice cube out, then your opponent would lock another ice cube out, and the person who knocked the ice cube out that caused that penguin to fall would lose the game. Real simple, real clear as to what it would take to win. Now, as you think about that simple game, you had to keep Philip the penguin on top of the ice, and as long as you did that, you would win. If he fell through the ice, you would lose. Very clear. You see, God is very clear where he's calling us. Now, I know that you know that when God is clear in calling us, he wants us to understand exactly what we're doing because he knows there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be pressures that will come your way. Now, I think this is so important because if you're not clear about what God is calling you to do, when the pressures come, when the obstacle comes, you will drop out. You'll quit. I remember when my wife and I were praying about moving to Chesapeake to start Hickory Ridge Community Church. I felt like it was time for us to move sooner than my wife did. You know, women, they really like to have security and they like to have everything figured out. Uh, We as men kind of sometimes go off the handle. We just kind of jump off and, and we go into areas where angels fear to tread. But my wife wasn't quite ready. And so I said, I'm just gonna pray about this. And so I got a team of people praying about us, about it. And I wanted to be clear that as we're taking this step of faith, that God was in it. You know, after praying for several months, my wife came to me one day and says, you know what? I think you're right. I think we need to move to Chesapeake and start a church. And she says, I think that's the craziest thing that I would ever say because we don't have any money. Uh, we don't have any congregation. Uh, we don't have any facilities. Uh, we don't even have any work to do in Chesapeake. But she says, if God is calling us to do it and you are clear about doing it, let's do it. Now, I felt it was so important for her to be on board 100% because I knew when we got there, our whole world was going to be turned upside down. The beautiful home that we had, uh, we were going to leave that behind. We didn't even know where we were going to live. We actually lived with our mom and dad for a few weeks until uh, we found a place to rent. Uh, We didn't know how we were going to pay our bills because we didn't have any jobs in Chesapeake. We didn't have a congregation in Chesapeake, but we were clear that God had called us to start a church. You see, you got to be clear because obstacles and pressures will come your way. Now, listen, when God spoke to Moses through that burning bush, it was very clear to Moses what God wanted him to do. Uh, God wasn't ambiguous. God was calling him to go back to Egypt, and God was calling him to demand that Pharaoh free those Israelites. Now, maybe you're thinking that's not such a big deal, but when you remember the life of Moses and what he went through, uh, Moses' life is a fascinating life. He lived to be 120 years old. Now, that's not too bad. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to live to be 120 years old, but that's how long he lived. Some said that you could divide up his life into three different segments. From birth to age 40... Moses was trying to prove that he was a somebody. He was raised in a lap of luxury. Remember, he was raised at Pharaoh's palace by Pharaoh's daughter. He had everything you could imagine, the best education, the best food. I mean, he had it together. He was a catch meow. That's what he was. He had it all together. So he spent the first 40 years of his life trying to be a somebody. 
He spent the next 40 years of his life realizing he was a nobody. Well, what happened to Moses when he was 40 years old? He committed murder. Oh, that's right. He committed murder. Remember, he saw two people fighting, and he stepped in the middle of that thing, and he kills one of them, and he buries the guy in the sand. But the next day, two Israelites are, are debating with one another, and, and Moses steps in and says, listen, you guys are brothers. You need to stop fighting. And one of them says, well, what are you going to do to us? Kill us like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? All of a sudden, Moses realizes, man, I'm in a world of trouble. Everybody knows what I've done. And so he flees out into the wilderness, and he spends 40 years on the backside of the wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, realizing that he is an absolutely nobody. He's a zero. He's made a mess of his life. Well, Moses had that burning bush experience when he was 80 years old. Listen, if you're 80 years old, I want you to know it could be that your mission in life is just getting some traction. I think that your most productive years in your life can be your retirement years if you are following God's will. Listen, when you turn 80 years old, keep on serving the Lord. Moses was just beginning his ministry at age 80, and he ends up being a blessing to everybody from age 80 to 120. You see, God had a very clear message for Moses. Moses, you are going to free my people from bondage. Now, Moses gave a whole lot of reason as to why he was not that good choice for the job. Moses eventually said, God, why don't you send somebody else? You ever been there? God calls you to do something. He says, man, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't know about you, but I've learned when God says yes, I better say yes too. When God opens up a door, I better walk through it. As we look at what Moses did, he requested help. He says, I don't want to do this. Find somebody else to do it for me. Now, this is a a very sad verse in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 13. It says that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, well, what about your brother Aaron, that Levite? I know that he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. Listen, God had a backup plan for Moses when he got cold feet. God went on to tell Moses that Aaron would be his spokesperson. I want you to know something. It doesn't matter where God is leading you. When he leads you, don't request that he send somebody else to take your place when he's calling you. God has a mission in mind just for you. Be very clear about that. Here's something else that I want you to know. God always sends the help you need to fulfill his mission exactly when you need it. If God has given you a clear vision as to what he wants you to do, then march on through. Follow through with those orders, realizing that God will send the right people at the right time. You know, I have seen this over and over and over again in the 25 years that I have been serving as the pastor at Hickory Ridge Community Church. I remember when we first began. I said, now, Lord, the rent on the Hickory Royalton Club building is $250 a week. And I remember our very first service, we didn't have very much money in the offering. We didn't have enough money to cover the rent. So I was just paying the rent out of my pocket. I paid the first month rent. And and I remember praying for the second Sunday. I said, my Lord, I I had some friends come the first Sunday and uh, they're not coming back because they're four hours away. So I had a two-pronged prayer for our second service. I said, number one, Lord, I'd like to see more people come the second service than came the first service. So the first service, we had 23 people. 
Uh, we thought we were doing great. 23 people showed up on that very first Sunday. So I said, Lord, uh, I've got about 10 or 12 people from our old church that drove four hours to be here, and they're not going to be with us this Sunday. But I'd like to see more people come the second Sunday that came the first Sunday. And lo and behold, 28 people showed up at the second Sunday. I also prayed, Lord, now I'd like to have enough money come in the offering to pay for the rent. And uh, I just uh, I just need to, to, to have some confirmation here. You know, on that second Sunday, there was somebody who was driving through South Battlefield Boulevard on their way to the Outer Banks. And they had noticed that we had a, a sign out front advertising our church. And they noticed that the service time was right about the time they were driving through. And so they said, well, let's pull in here and worship with these folks. They had no idea it was only our second Sunday. This couple came and I remember at the end of the service, this guy says, listen, we are on our way to the Outer Banks, but I'm excited about what the vision for this church is. And he says, I'm going to be praying for you. And he handed me a check for $1,000. I could not believe it. I said, God answered both of my prayers. We'd have more people on the second Sunday and enough money came to pay that first month of rent. Listen, God always comes through. When you are clear about the calling God will see that when the obstacle comes, that the pressures come, that you'll have the, the willpower, that you'll have the tenacity, and you have just the right people in place. Psalm 37 says this, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Don't you love that? God holds us up with his hand. Kind of reminds me as I was trying to teach my kids how to walk. And I remember they were just this little guys. I think my son Tyler walked first. He was only about eight or nine months when he started walking. He never crawled. He just began walking. And I remember I'd take him by the hand and I'd walk with him. And if he began to lose his balance or lose a uh, misstep or, or trip, I was hanging onto his arm or hanging onto his hand so he would never stumble. He'd never fall. You know, God does the same thing for us. He grabs us by the hand. He holds us up. And when we come to a tripping point in our life, he just lifts us right up. I'm so glad that God does that for us, aren't you? That he will never let us fail, never let us fall. We may trip a few times, but he's right there to lift us right back up. Well, we've talked so far today that you got to be clear about where God is calling you because obstacles will come. And when that pressure comes, if you're not clear about what God's called you to do, you're going to bail. Now, listen, this is true for all parts of our lives, whether it be who you're going to marry. I was talking to an old boy one time, and, and, uh, and he had been married to this lady, and he was going through a hard time. And he says, man, I'm in trouble with my marriage. I don't want to be married anymore. And he, and he was talking bad about his wife. And I said to him, well, let me ask you a question. When did you realize that you were in trouble in your marriage. He says, you know when I realized it? He said, the day I got married. He said, I knew I shouldn't have married her, but I married her anyway. I wish I had never done that. Listen, he was not clear about what God was calling him to do. Listen, if you're about to make a decision and you're not clear about it, put the brakes on it. Don't be 99% certain. Be 100% certain, especially if it's something as important as who you're going to marry. Listen, put the brakes on it. Hold off. If you're about to make a big purchase and you're not 100% clear that God wants you to make it, why don't you hold off? Why don't you pray about it until you have that clarity? Well, we talked about that clarity of God. Moses had it. And during that burning bush experience, God gave Moses this big vision 
of how he was going to redeem God's people. Well, there's a second thing that you've got to have. You've got to have not only clarity, but you've got to have contentment. Be content wherever God has placed you. Now, when I was growing up, we loved playing board games. One of the board games that we loved is a game called Contentment. You may not recognize it by the name Contentment. Today, it is called Parcheesi. Parcheesi is called the Game of Cheer for All Ages. Now, Aaron could have been jealous over Moses, but he chose to be content where God had placed him. I I want you to know that contentment is learned, and if we can learn to be content wherever God has placed us, we'll have victory in our lives every single time. I'm going to conclude here by giving you a challenge. Between today and tomorrow, would you seek God's face for clarity in your life? Would you ask the Lord to make it clear as to what direction you should go? Maybe you're facing a big decision, so I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God gives you that direction. So Lord, we come before you today, and we just want to pause for just a moment, and we want to pray that everyone listening to this broadcast today will be clear as to where you want them to go. Whether that be who they're going to marry, where they're going to move, what job they should take, what church they should join. I pray that you make it so clear to them that they almost feel like it's a voice from heaven encouraging them. And we pray this all in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.